So I invite you to open up your Bibles to the Gospel of John. We're going to read John's account of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, that first Easter. John 20, starting at verse 1, hear the word of the Lord. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first, and stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had lain one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. Let's see in response to this from Psalm 68, the first stanza.
The text then for this morning's sermon is John 20, 11 through 18, when the Lord Jesus Christ appears to Mary Magdalene. We won't read that together again. I encourage you to leave your Bible open, though, as we work through that passage. After the sermon, let's sing from hymn 72, 1 through 5. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, how were your Easter presents? Yeah, you know, Easter, just as much as Christmas, perhaps even more so, is all about presents. We gather each Easter to remember that God has given us one blessing upon another in our risen Savior. Could you list some of those blessings that we receive because of Easter? Perhaps this is the most obvious. Easter means that death has been defeated because the one who died was unlike any other. His death was unlike any other. Easter is more than that, though. In Ephesians 1.3, the Apostle Paul praises God who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He goes on in that chapter to talk about how in our lives, the power of the Spirit is also known. That same power through which the Spirit raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Easter means that the dead, yeah, you and me, We can have new life already here and now as we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, we highlight that too in Lord's Day 17 of the Heidelberg Catechism. There are more blessings than that. For instance, in John chapter, in 1 John 1, in the letter of 1 John, the apostle talks about the word of life. That's Jesus Christ. The life appeared, we proclaim him to you so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. You know, the disciples, the Jews at the time, they so much, they wanted salvation from the Romans. They thought that was their big problem. They wanted very earthly blessings. Our modern world is not any different So often we just look at our lives and we want, you know, financial blessings. We want prosperity, success, those sorts of things. Easter is so much more. We are sinners. And as sinners, we are alienated from our Creator, from God. We've rebelled against Him. We need to do more than just think about what we want in life. So often that's very selfish. We also need to think about what we do not want. That our problem also is what we do not want. That we do not, on our own, want a life with God and for God. Easter is a promise, though, that that is over. And that's what the scene here with Mary Magdalene highlights. Tell me, where have you laid him? Mary, perhaps more than others, she has a huge hole in her heart. 
Through her we see someone who craves the presence and the fellowship of her Lord and Savior. And that is what she receives. The Savior appears and speaks her name personally. But yet things are different. Do not hold on to me, says the Lord Jesus Christ. Because there is more to be done. Because perhaps this is the greatest present of all. That Easter means the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. In an even greater way than he was present before. And I put the sermon then under that theme. The resurrection, Jesus in our midst. And we'll look at two things here. A predicament, but also a promise. Now the first Easter, you cannot help when you read John chapter 20 and the Gospels, you read the first Easter was a shock, a wonderful surprise. No one was expecting it. The disciples too, they weren't, you know, gullible simpletons who thought the supernatural was normal. They come to the empty tomb. But you can read it too in John 20. The wheels in their minds begin to turn. The tomb is empty. But yet, it doesn't look, for instance, like it's a grave robbery. We're told very specifically too, the the cloth that was around the head of the Lord Jesus Christ was folded neatly up. They all go back home, wondering. But we see Mary outside the tomb, crying. There's no going home for Mary. Mary cannot pull herself away from the grave. The open tomb has only opened up the wounds of Good Friday, also in her own heart, all over again. Who is this Mary who's weeping here? There's quite a few Marys in the Gospels, even at the scene of the crucifixion of Christ. Which one is this? Well, this one, we're told at the beginning of the chapter, right, is Mary Magdalene. Who's that? Luke tells us in his gospel, she's the one who was delivered from seven demons. Seven demons. Imagine that life. Bound by the power of Satan on all sides. But then the Lord Jesus Christ had entered her life and brought freedom. And imagine the joy in her day. When the Lord Jesus Christ showed his power and love to her, Mary then knew firsthand who the Savior was and what he could do. So when we see her grieving at the tomb here, this is far more than something, you know, sentimental. She misses someone who she might have, you know, been friends with. Mary knew the Lord Jesus as her Lord and liberator. Why is she weeping uncontrollably at the tomb? Not so much because the, bear, the body has apparently been stolen, but because her Savior is dead. In fact, her grief is so great that isn't it surprising that even angels are no consolation. I mean, as she weeps, she bends over, she looks into the tomb. There's two angels 
in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet? And this doesn't put her heart at rest? Now, just a short detour on this point, verse 12, by the way. John is very specific about the placement of the angels, head and foot. Perhaps that has meaning. And where else in the Bible do you see two angels at either end, at the head and foot of something? Any idea? I'm thinking in particular over the ark, over the mercy seat. Is John telling us too, these angels on either side of where the body of the Lord Jesus Christ lay, that his body too is like the new mercy seat? Angels jealously guarded the holiness of God. That's what the ark was about. With the angels on them. And that sinners could not enter the presence of God unless there was atonement. And these angels too, seeing the place of atonement. That atonement has happened through the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. But back to Mary here. There are two angels in white who ask Mary why she's weeping. Mary doesn't give them any consideration. They have taken away my Lord. I do not know where they have laid him. Mary weeping at the tomb reminds us. What if there was a Savior who could do even more than deal with the Romans? Who could deal with the power of the devil? Who could bring light into the greatest of darkness? Mary weeping at the tomb. She makes us ask that question. What is it that we want? What is it that we need from this Savior? What is our salvation? There are greater things to hunger and thirst for than our world knows. Sometimes we forget that when we consider Easter. When we think of Easter, maybe the first thing that we think of, this is proof that the Lord Jesus Christ has conquered sin and death. But we need to go even further than that. You see, Mary is weeping for her Savior. She craves also the presence, the fellowship, the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we think about how death is conquered, I mean, that's a wonderful, that's an amazing thing that we have that hope. But we also need to go even further. What is the point of death being conquered? It is so that we can again live with our God. What is the point of living eternally but to love our God eternally? Mary wanted to know the Lord Jesus Christ again, to hear his voice, to share in his love. We all need to be like Mary, someone delivered from the grip of Satan. For that is what we are like as sinners, to enjoy the presence, to live even within the arms of our God. That takes us to our second point. The Lord Jesus Christ sees Mary weeping. And he comes to Mary 
to comfort and to teach her. Now this appearance to Mary is the first of many in a 40-day period between Easter and the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. And let's highlight that too, that we have these many appearances of our Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ could have immediately entered His heavenly glory on Easter morning. He certainly could have left us to put all the pieces together. He had given enough clues about what was going to happen. But we have a Savior who loves to serve, who knows our needs. And even in His Easter glory, He still humbles Himself. He knows that even an empty tomb, even angels, are not enough to get through to us what He has done. And He comes Himself here to open eyes. There in the garden, He appears to Mary. He asks her why she's weeping. Notice Mary does not seem to be able to recognize Him. Maybe He had changed in some way. Maybe her tears are too great. But there's great meaning in this too. It's clear And this is throughout the Gospels too, that simply with our physical eyes, we cannot comprehend Jesus Christ in all His glory. This is always a gift, a work of God, of the Spirit. Mary thinks He's the gardener, asks Him if He's moved the body. Isn't it interesting that she says, if this is the case, tell me where they laid Him. I'll go and get the body myself. I'm not sure how she could have done that, but you again see her love and devotion for the Savior. Jesus says one word to her. Her name. Mary. And there is such great meaning in this. Mary. First of all, you see here the tender love of Jesus. Truly, The Lord Jesus Christ is, as what he said in John chapter 10, the good shepherd who knows his sheep, all of them by name. And that is why he also went to the cross. He knew you too by name. That is why he is raised in glory. That he might also call to you by name. And also this name, Mary In Isaiah 43, for instance, at the beginning of that chapter, you can read it later on, if you like. There, Yahweh, the Lord, speaks about how He knows His people by name, and He calls them all by name. Mary. It's it's not just, hello, Mary. It's also, I am the Lord, your God, and I claim you. As my own. Mary. I am your Lord and Savior. You belong to me. In body and soul. Life and death. Instantly she recognizes him. Her heart is flooded with an indescribable joy. Rabboni, she says. She falls to the ground. And embraces his feet. But the Lord Jesus Christ says to her some very perplexing words. Do not cling to me, 
For I have not yet ascended to my Father, but go and tell my brothers, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Now what's going on here, you might ask? Why can't Mary hold on to the Lord Jesus Christ even for a little bit? And why does the Lord Jesus Christ here now say, I have not yet ascended and speak of that? Well, here's a, an angle to this, a clue. First of all, look at what Mary says. She calls Jesus Rabboni, Rabbi. Now, that is striking in two ways. First of all, Rabbi, it means teacher. It's very interesting. She was delivered from seven demons, yet she calls Jesus teacher. She highlights the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. You might know I spent some time in Kenya recently. I was privileged to do that. So many there in Africa are obsessed with having the power to cast out demons. But yet look at Mary here. This needs to be our focus. The teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ and about the Lord Jesus Christ. I told pastors there in Kenya, preach Jesus Christ crucify and what sinners have in him and you will deal with the power of the devil secondly though teacher rabbi it's wonderful she says this but it's also not quite enough you know in the gospel of john as you were if you were to read through the whole gospel of john you would notice there is a crescendo of confessions about the Lord Jesus Christ. Shortly, Thomas will make perhaps the greatest one, my Lord and my God. But all Mary says here is rabbi. Of all the confessions about Christ in the Gospels, this is almost a step backwards. It's like Mary thinks life can go back to the old ways. Mary does not see that her relationship with the risen Savior, has to change and grow. The Lord Jesus Christ always calls us forward to new joys, new fellowship, new ways of knowing Him. The Lord Jesus Christ must return to the Father. And from there, He will send His Spirit and through His Spirit, He will be present in the lives of His followers and our lives in even greater ways. Do not hold on to me. It's not that the Lord Jesus Christ is adverse to our touch and that He doesn't want to be close to us. The opposite is true. He wants to be even closer than we know. And this is the great message of the gospel. The risen Savior has come to live within us. That's also why He was raised from the dead. That He would be the heart and the life of the new humanity. You know, like maybe a stem cell transplant. Touch. It's too clumsy and too limited. He wants to dwell 
within us. And he had said that himself. John 14, 23. Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them. And we will come to them and make our home with them. And there are other passages in the Gospel of John. The Apostle Paul is very clear too. In Ephesians 3.17, he prays about the Ephesians that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. Or Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Read through the letters of Paul. It's very clear. We as believers can be in Christ, can be clothed with Christ. And this is the meaning, the great present of Easter. The presence of the Lord Jesus Christ Himself among us all. In all of us, the very person, the very love, the holiness, the joy of the Lord Jesus Christ seeping into our lives and filling His people. The Lord Jesus Christ is not only someone in whom we believe, but the one in whom we live. 1 John 4, 4, You, dear children, are from God and overcome, have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So this scene with Mary here in John 20 shows us the significance of Easter is found also in the ascension of Christ, in Pentecost, in the return of Christ. If you stop here in John 20, if you stop even on Easter morning, even with all its glory, you stop in the middle of the story. And look at our text. Mary, go to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and their Father, to my God and your God. As he speaks about his leaving, he also draws them close. My Father and their Father. Our Lord tells her to go to his brothers. It's the first time, actually, that the Lord Jesus Christ calls his disciples brothers. Isn't it amazing that he does so? One disciple had denied him three times. All had run from him and deserted him. All had slept in the Garden of Gethsemane while he was in agony. None had the faith to trust him that he would rise from the dead. But yet he calls them brothers. Because this is what his death and resurrection was all about. He even calls these disciples into his own relationship with the Father. My Father and your Father. Throughout his time on earth, the disciples had heard the Lord Jesus Christ address God as Father. Now he brings the disciples into that relationship. It is as he prayed in John 17, I want them to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. So what does Easter mean John 20 tells us very clearly, Easter means there is a place for you and me 
in the family of God. We all have an idea of what our life should be like. And Mary, too, expresses hers in a way. She wants to hold on to Jesus, to clasp him. But there are things even greater than this. And Mary becomes a messenger of this. Go tell my brothers. Mary, possessed by seven demons, now given this wonderful task to proclaim this restored, renewed relationship that God Himself has with sinners. And He calls us as well to proclaim that. For us too, now is not the time for clasping the feet and holding on. Now is the time to announce the good news. Everyone who knows and believes in the risen Christ is also a messenger of the greatest good news there is. What is Easter? Easter is victory over what defeats us, our sin, death, the power of the devil, but also more than that. Easter is new relationships, new loves, also between us and our God, heaven and earth joined together again, God's presence among us, and the great joy of a redeemed humanity. You know, Mary, who was delivered from the power of seven demons, who got to walk around with the Lord Jesus Christ, she will know Jesus Christ in even greater ways and know His presence after the ascension and after Pentecost. And we too are privileged to know that. And we also will know the Lord Jesus Christ in always greater and greater ways. In Him, you see, there is always a more, a drawing closer. One day, those who believe in Him, they will also hear Him speak their name. And He too will wipe away every tear from our eyes. The tears that bring so much blindness here below. We will know the Lord Jesus Christ in greater ways than we can imagine. We will not just know His gifts, but we will see Him face to face. We will be His home. And the home of the Father and the Spirit. And He will be our home. In perfection forever. Amen.